We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fantasy Night, our Week 12 recap as we head towards Fantasy Football Playoff time. Sean, I had a few listeners off Road of His Overtime. We talked on the Monday show about the scenario we needed in particular to advance with a potential sweep in our FFPC main event. We needed 3.85 points, Sean, to uh, win that contest. We had Joshua Dobbs go and they had their players used up. Thankfully, we got over the line. I had a few concerned tweets, a few concerned messages to say, did you get enough? Um, you know, they, they were feeling the anxiety for us. We did get enough, but it was... Colin, were you cursing me for mentioning on the show yesterday that it's always possible to not get even the four points that you need? Now, I had mentioned that you know I had been the beneficiary of one of these early game injuries in a one-point victory and it was years ago now, but it does kind of stick in your head when, like, I mean, you're happy to win, but at the same time, you know, you're sad for the player who got hurt. And I mean, you want to win, right? But you do empathize with your opponent who like all they had to do was have their player stay in the game and score like two points and they're going to win. <laughs> I was thinking that an early game injury, which is always possible, was the path to not get there. But we almost didn't get there with him playing the whole game. And you had mentioned to me, I hadn't seen this, obviously <laughs> you're more tuned into all of the rumors and scuttlebutt, that they almost had pulled him. And Before that last drive. I mean, if they had pulled him, I think my... I don't know if we'd be doing this podcast today, Sean. <laughs> no, I don't think we would. Because I was... I mean... Not really a spoiler, but every other thing I needed to have happen did not happen. And again, sometimes that's the way that it goes. When you you win some, you lose some. I always say it's better to be lucky than good. And to appreciate your luck, I've been a very lucky fantasy player. Last night, I wasn't particularly lucky. I'm working through the stages of handling that. But if we had just flat out lost, <laughs> it would have been tougher. Colin, this was not a well-played game and the product is bad the product is bad and i've been a huge fan of justin fields and he did what he needed to do to win this game at the end you've got to give him credit for that but one of the things that <laughs> you were noting before we started is that you're playing the minnesota vikings which i mean the vikings are a bad team 
with the personnel they have out there right now. And you get four turnovers from Joshua Dobbs, and you've got to lead a game-winning drive at the end. You score no touchdowns. I don't think that – I mean, I just have sort of felt that it's absurd that a quarterback with Justin Fields' pedigree and scrambling ability, elite athleticism, you know, leadership, competitiveness, arm, accuracy, that people would be talking about him getting replaced was absurd. This is a victory where I think I've kind of changed my mind. I don't think either of these two guys can start for a contender next season. And for Dobbs, that maybe isn't some huge revelation. But this was a bad, bad football game. This was as bad as it gets. You mentioned the product being bad. I think the NFL's worst fear is some of these island games or you know primetime games turning out like this. And we do see it more often than we would like to see. But you know you have a situation there with the Vikings who are now 6-6 six and six in the season. They head into this game. They don't activate uh, Justin Jefferson, which we thought they wouldn't because of the bye week next week. But they maybe were counting a, a W before they got it, and now they lose this. They're 6-6. Six and six. The Packers are closing in on them. They're only two games ahead of the Chicago Bears at this point. I don't think the Bears are going to catch them or make the playoffs. But that is where they stand. But you, you get a situation, and, and the Bears have turnovers as well. But the way this game sets up and how it progressed for, you know, up until the fourth quarter, you've put up no points in the first quarter, three and three in the second, third. It's six, three at that point. This is just a a tragic, tragic uh, NFL contest. And and anyone that hasn't watched it, I probably would say, uh, don't go out of your way to you know spend that extra time to dive into it. Me, me and Sean are going to do a quick recap of it here, and and then we're just going to put it in the the history books after that point. So Dobbs, one eight five. One touchdown coming in the fourth quarter to TJ Hawkinson. Four interceptions. Something we've seen from him throughout the season is his you know, rushing and scrambling. Two for 11 in this game. Hawkinson has six targets, five receptions, 50 yards, one touchdown. So if you are a Hawkinson drafter, that's going to work out. Addison could have had a big day with his 10 targets, but a bad throw from Dobbs, which would have been around a 70-yard touchdown, leads him where he can't get his feet down inbounds completely free about the five-yard line off the Chicago Bears. Colin, was that a weird one to you? What are people saying about that play? Because this is a pass that was one of the worst passes maybe in NFL history because, I mean, he's got a guy wide open by 30 yards, and all you have to do is throw it on the field. You can throw it up there as a punt. But it also seemed like the punt, the punt, (laughs) the shanked punt was so bad that Jordan Addison, who had battled for a catch early in the game, and this was another note that you had that perhaps the Vikings could have challenged that play where the ball obviously is loose but never hits the ground. I mean, Addison, after the pass led him out of bounds, didn't make much effort to make a miraculous catch there. I mean, you can still make that catch laying down on the sidelines. Yeah, there's a couple there's a couple of things there. Obviously, he's running at speed and it's a bad throw, and maybe he thinks that he can't work out his balance. You know, I, I couldn't work out my balance in that situation. So <laughs> Maybe he can have that excuse as well. But I think he still could make that catch. I think he doesn't get in the end zone. He just makes it. But it's a deep, deep pass in a situation like that. I think he should make that play as well. But I think it's just a preposterous. Yeah, it's a preposterous pass from Dobbs. Um, You know, anywhere else but where he puts it. If he leads him 10 yards further in field, he still has a chance to make it. It's that he puts it to the sideline in a wide open situation. So that was bad but everything was just bad from Dobbs in this game and that's not something we've seen I've mentioned on recent shows that I thought that he had set himself up at minimum to be the Viking starter if they offered him that contract 
for next season with this game here where they're almost about to pull him in the fourth quarter for just a terrible terrible performance obviously you know if, if, if he's somebody like justin fields he gets that wiggle room to make those mistakes when you're joshua dobbs and you're getting traded for you know a bag of balls in that situation you do not have the time to make those mistakes and this was a really really bad one well it's too bad too i mean you you say that you were expecting him to potentially be the starter next season i think a lot of listeners will you know kind of push back on that and say i mean this guy hasn't really done anything that would be you know not that dissimilar to the browns winning some games and being okay going out there with their backups next season and yet if anything the i mean arguably less competitive performance from the cardinals now that they have kyler murray back would underline the fact that dobbs was not the problem there i mean those two guys look pretty similar in terms of what they were able to do in the cardinals offense the first several games with the vikings had been so encouraging and and this brings me back to this element with justin jefferson and evidently people are contacting justin jefferson and saying you know he should be playing for their fantasy leagues which as you pointed out to me is absolutely absurd i mean no one should ever be contacting i mean if you want to this is still probably not appropriate but if you want to contact athletes who are on social media and you know tell them fantastic job we're rooting for you good luck you know things like that you know that's probably okay or at least you know po- putting positive you know wonderful vibes out into the world you should never be interacting with any type of celebrity in a negative way right these are real people at the same time i mean justin jefferson's responsibility isn't to fantasy managers it's to his teammates and if you're the minnesota vikings and you've been given this wonderful chance to make the playoffs and perhaps be good because one of the things we've kind of glossed over here is that the vikings defense has really improved in 2023 and that that makes them a more balanced team that you know they go from last year when they're winning all the close games to this year where they've lost a lot of close games especially in that brutal start obviously they lose a close game here but the defense has improved you have a more balanced squad you have a hybrid qb who gives you some options you have some talent i mean tj hawkinson is absurdly good right there's always a chance that they will go to ty chandler and they will abandon the alexander madison project that has been maybe the weirdest and worst running back decision that a franchise has ever made this is a team that could be interesting in the playoffs but you have to make it and you have to have leadership from your stars this is just again it's really weird i think to those of us at least on the outside where i mean if justin jefferson is practicing the way that he's practicing and risking the hamstring in practice i mean those reps are meaningless right they don't help your team win this is a this is a strange game for him not to be out there it's hard to look at this game and the struggles that dobbs had and the closeness of the game and not think that a superstar wide receiver would have won you this game yeah no i agree and i'll push back on the you know could dobbs be the quarterback for this team i don't think they should pay him crazy crazy money but on a situation where you don't have kirk cousins he he came into this game sean with four passing touchdowns one interception and a rushing touchdown in each of his last three games and that is his time with the minnesota vikings i think he had done enough in those games to look pretty good 
but this this was not it. This was not it. So we'll we'll leave the Vikings there before we get more. He's been playing well enough that we put him into this key game yes. to kind yep. of try and accomplish our fantasy objectives. And one of the things that you know is a bummer here as we look through this is that we had quarterback choice that would have allowed us to get the sweep. We have you know bench players. We have multiple bench players who, if they had been in the lineup, would have allowed us to get the sweep. I think the great thing there, and the thing you have to emphasize if you're in the same situation that we're in, is that that's great. You want your bench to play well because you need them to be available to you as you go through these next couple of weeks. And one of the things that's kind of humorous about the fantasy playoffs in certain formats like the FFPC is that you're going to have players on the bye (laughs) during the fantasy semifinals here. And you need to be able to overcome that if, in fact, your team is one of the ones that has a bye week problem. You can still have injuries. We have more injuries every game. If you're in the race for the million dollars, which, you know, Colin, I'm, it's easy to be forlorn about the things that didn't quite work out. But you and I are now into the race for the million with a team that has interesting players at every position and tough choices at every position. I'm sure there are teams that are still far better than ours and maybe have even a better mix of individual upside players. You and I were joking that. You know, we'd like to petition to add another couple starting spots because we have that many guys that we would like to start every week. Obviously, that's not particularly relevant in terms of how the race is going to go, but I'm excited. I'm fired up. This is going to be an absolute blast. And I'm so happy that sort of our main event that we've done together, you know, especially after we've had such a wonderful experience doing these best ball leagues. So excited to have this team with you. The choices that we made that didn't work out I mean, all you can do is play the players who are the best fit for that week that have the best projections. When you're looking at it and thinking, we lost all of these situations. I lost multiple other chances to either win a league or advance in a league, two kind of separate things with the FFPC there because of the quarterback choice. But you're not going to look back at the previous week and, and think, well, if I had just done something crazy at QB, I would have won. I mean, one of the leagues, if I'd gone with, Jordan Love over Brock Purdy or Tua would have won thousands of extra dollars. But that's not the play that you're going to make going into the week. you got to continue to objectively evaluate yourself on the decisions based on the evidence and the process, not on the final result. Yeah, and you have to be comfortable with those calls. And, you know, I kind of joked on the Monday show that if we had had played golf, we would have those points in the lineup. But that was also a play where the points came very late. You have to be comfortable with the process that is going to work on a weekly basis. We talked potentially last week, me and you off air, about Brant Nayuk versus Zay Flowers with Mark Andrews not going to be in the lineup and how that might help him. But you have to be comfortable with the the decision that you're making and, and keep that process consistent on a, a week-to-week basis. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The final note, Sean, on this contest is DJ Moore, 11 of 13 targets for 114 yards. So with fields back in the lineup, DJ Moore been very, very productive again. Then Cole Komet, seven for 43. So in tight end premium, getting you those points. I did mention, though, Sean Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers had a, a big game this week and tops it off very late on with an end round, which he takes to the end zone as well. So one for 37 and a touchdown on the ground. He also was five for 25 off eight targets with one touchdown in the air. I'm very intrigued to see his role over the next couple of weeks now without Mark Andrews, Keaton Mitchell, pretty solid day and there as well and a game where it wasn't that exciting overall from Lamar Jackson and the, the rest of the wide receivers very spread around on the other side Keenan Allen has just been amazing this season again 16 targets 11 or 14 receptions 106 from that side my concerns for Eckler although he does get his five receptions here to kind of boost up his total a little bit continue as we move forward in the season here Sean that play I mentioned uh the previous week I think that was week 11 about the speed as he goes down the sideline i believe he was tracked at 13 miles per hour on that play so it wasn't uh, just the eye test that was saying that maybe some of that burst is not there colin before we go off of the ravens it, it's exciting here that mitchell is a little bit more involved he's absolutely electric you love to see the fact that Hill and Edwards only combine for the 13 carries as opposed to really dwarfing him as they have in some of these games. But Zay Flowers, just again, the eight targets, he gets, you know, a touchdown in both phases. He he is getting used a little bit differently, though, Sean, than those opening weeks where we are seeing some deep targets, even if they're not always completing them. And that's good. That's good. I mean, when you just look at the the box score and you see five for 25, that part is not inspiring. But the usage, I mean, the performance is going to follow the usage at some point here. And we have witnessed his ability with the ball in his hands. And so if he does get the variety of routes going forward, he's going to be the playmaker there. There's never been any point in time in this game, another five targets for Rashad Bateman where he only goes for 21 yards you know that Odell Beckham is done. There has never been any pressure from the rest of the receivers, even though they have you know, big or at least interesting names. There's no pressure from the rest of this wide receiver core. The volume is going to go to Flowers, not just here, but in the future. This was a guy who was interesting to me when I did the projecting 2024 exercise. And one of the problems is just that even though the talent is obviously there and you have that first round pedigree, the production has not really put him in that category where you can consider him for a second round pick next season. And the production has not been there for him to get in our starting lineup very often over the last couple of months on our main event. 
this seems like a little bit of a weird question, but obviously it's coming off of a two-touchdown game. Now, we know the touchdowns are not going to be nearly as reliable, again, as that overall volume profile. But, I mean, is Zay Flowers doing enough? Do you expect him to do enough over this closing run that he would be an interesting name to push into that, say, 2-3 turn range for next season, especially as one of the things that we continue to see with all of these bad games every week is that fantasy points and any type of production is very hard to come by. Yeah, I think he's a, a strong finish down the stretch. We kind of talked about it on one of the shows last week where we were hinting at you and Ben's podcasts and, and projecting those rounds. And when you get past the end of round two, it is very hard to have concrete names that you're confident in having in there. And there is a list of kind of rookies that haven't done it as of yet on a consistent basis. And he is one of them, though, that is a, he's at the higher end of that list of possibilities. I think Rishi Rice, with his performance this week, will put himself also in that list. And you're just working then. Both of those guys are working with a tight end situation who is an elite tight end who's going to be the main focus of the offense. But, but I think down here, like I'm, I'm quite excited about what we've seen this week and what we've kind of seen, even though the results haven't been there from some of the deeper targets. I think it's only a matter of time before one of those hits. And I also think when we're looking at our team, you mentioned the points on the bench. They were two of the players, uh, Flowers and Rice. And I think that Flowers at this point is probably that next player up when we're looking at the flex positions in terms of what we've kind of started to see and also the additional targets I would expect to be there without Andrews in this offense. And I think even in a limited size here, we've we've seen with Keaton Mitchell, he was on a limited size, but he kept doing so well that they thought we have to start to move in that direction and although flowers maybe isn't getting the rate of targets that we would have hoped i think he's really confirming that he is the best option on this roster at the wide receiver position so i'm very confident down the stretch i've been very confident before sean i've been very wrong but i'm still hopeful of that that he he brings us towards that quest for the the million dollars yeah we just keep getting such inconsistency from lamar jackson i mean this is a game against you know, maybe the NFL's worst passing defense. It's it's one of the bottom 10 in a team that can get involved in shootouts. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, one of the reasons that the Ravens don't get involved in shootouts is that their defense is so good. I mean, they completely shut down the Chargers in this game, so you don't have to do as much. But even Lamar Jackson throws 32 passes, right? It's not like the passing volume was not there at all. And he can't average six yards per attempt against the Chargers. And that, to me, is, again, kind of a consistent issue there where it's not that the upside won't be there, but when you have volume inconsistency and then passing quality inconsistency from Lamar Jackson, and again, Lamar Jackson brings other things to the table that balances that out in most of the games, that is the part that makes it tough for me and makes it harder to lean into as a Flowers as opposed to you think of some similar players like a tank Dell in many ways, that one is just very straightforward with what's happening in Houston. And then a Josh downs who doesn't have a big game this past week, but you know, draws 13 more targets in a game where Michael Pittman draws 13 targets. But then I also wonder in that situation to be devil's advocate when Anthony Richardson comes back, does he get 13 targets in a game like that? And I don't think that this is probably a fair statement. So I just want to put this out there you know, in that context right from the beginning. But the Monday night game 
really served to remind me of you know why I'm so concerned about Richardson as a reality selection for the Colts and Richardson long term in terms of what he's going to do to his teammates. Now, if he can stay healthy and avoid some of the hits that he's taken, the dynamism with the legs, and again, in this kind of environment where you almost have to have that because fantasy points are so hard to come by, you know, I think that he's going to do the things that he needs for fantasy managers, even though we just saw a very small sample. You know, that part appeared to be very clear. Is it going to allow you to win reality games? Is it going to allow you to get fantasy points? The thing from Monday night that was interesting is that you have a 12-10 game where TJ Hawkinson and DJ Moore both blew up. And that was another thing that I needed to not have happen was those guys combined for 33. I was looking at it a little bit this morning, and I do believe that we had lost the number two seed on that Chasing Stolen Bananas team by 0.2 before the final Chicago possession, where I believe that DJ Moore added on 7.2 fantasy points. So I think even if the Minnesota Vikings do a better job and run the clock out, which, I mean, you think about all the things they did wrong in that game, but chief among them is having such a terrible, you know, quote, four-minute drive to finish the game off. I mean, you can't be in that situation to hand the ball to Alexander Madison twice because he is not going to pick up any yardage, right? When the other team knows you're going to run, you can't run the NFL's worst starting running back into the line twice. But that part was not going to matter. So, I mean, TJ Hawkinson looks absolutely fantastic. DJ Moore, I mean, it gives you a little bit of a sense, I think, of just how bad the situation was with the Carolina Panthers. And Colin, let's transition for a second to this situation. With Carolina, you have Frank Wright fired. The reason that we were off of these rookie quarterbacks and their teams sort of in fantasy two of which well i really should say one of which has been the case with the panthers the colts have turned out to be a gold mine with gardner Minshew. that was something that ben gretch talked about a ton is that if Minshew ends up being the quarterback here there are going to be a lot of fantasy points and then in houston the fact that they have no weapons has been no problem because cj stroud is one of i mean CJ Str- Stroud is one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I mean, right now. I never thought watching the Texans would be this much fun, Sean. I just love I just love seeing what he's doing. It's unreal. It's unreal. And yeah, I mean <laughs> when you look at these teams in reality, the team that perhaps made the most controversial decision, which was to trade a ton of for Bryce Young. And so you're moving into the range where you're drafting a guy who has a Baker Mayfield type of profile. And I mean, a lot of that people are going to see as being revisionist, but we talked about that a ton at the time you know, with the Road of His Rookie Guide as we worked through all of the prospects. To have missed on that quarterback decision, basically you can't do that after you make that trade. You can't do that after you move DJ Moore. They're talking about, you know, we need to trade for a receiver. Well, you had to make that trade where you got up to the number one pick without giving away DJ Moore. I mean, that was obvious to everyone at the time that you had made a horrible, horrible trade. Now, you could have salvaged all of that if you had taken the generational prospect at QB, which again, we get back to this element where 
quarterback evaluation is tough. And even the experts, if we want to call the NFL GMs, that can miss on those guys. But I mean, if you're very clearly telling your fan base, you're telling fantasy managers, you're telling the rest of the NFL that Bryce Young is failing because we've given him a washed up 30 plus year old Adam Thielen as his alpha receiver. And you need to rectify that. Or you can just blame the coach and fire him. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like Frank Reich has done a good job. It, it simply does not. And yet, but it's not just a bunch of other mistakes that were, I mean, more clear cut than the problems that Reich is having. Yeah. I was kind of saying that uh, kind of sarcastically because there's a lot of issues going on here, not just um, the head coach. Young has has struggled, but again, going into a situation as a rookie like this, you're, you're going to have your struggles. This is not a good offense. The trade, you know, a lot is talked about with, and this will play out with Bryce Young over over time, and it may all work out, and what they give up might make sense in the long run. But we, we talk a lot about the Deshaun Watson uh, trade and how that is turning out so bad for the Cleveland Browns and we kind of they shoot they we knew they should have known at the time that that would happen but they, they've given up so much here but they have nothing around the quarterback and, and this team is going to continue to to struggle regardless if Young is playing well or not and I think that we're in a situation here where we may never know the true upside of what he could have potentially did in the NFL, even though there was concerns coming in. I think he's just in a, a really bad situation. The other part of it, you mentioned Adam Thielen, Sean being washed up. Well, he, he comes in here at the start of the season and, and looks a lot better than I ever expected him to. He was averaging eight, uh, 20.2 PPR points in his first seven games. Over the last four, it's 8.7. Things have just went ice cold there. But there's some of that on him, I'm sure. The season might be taking a toll on him. But also the play call and the quarterback play has has not been good the other side of that sean in the carolina panthers titans game we get the titans winning this game on the back of derrick henry 18 carries for 76 yards and two touchdowns one of his best games off the entire season has two targets one reception no yards but tyzy spears faded completely into the background in this one had been starting to work his way into more of a split two carries for six yards and then we get three targets one reception for one yard Nothing happening here on offense at all, really, for either team outside of Derrick Henry. Will Levis, though, is another player to talk about in terms of his struggles. He came out, had the big game, but outside of his first performance where he hooks up with Hopkins for those touchdowns, Levis hasn't really looked great either. And, um, you know, the, the same points that I'm making about about Bryce Young, we could have that same conversation about Will Levis here after the last couple of games. Yeah, and I've referenced it a couple of times because I think it is important to make sure we're thinking through both sides of this where Levis comes out and he has that big first game. But our college football experts, and I, I think back to an article we published by Stefan Lacoe, where I mean he just kind of worked through the various elements of Levis's game and you know makes the case that he was a failed college quarterback. And you know, it's it's tough for those guys to suddenly unlock their athletic talents at the NFL level. And we're not seeing that right now with Levis. I mean, Ben and I had, had the fun show last week on Ceiling Bananas where we worked through the Tim Boyle saga and tried to understand how a player who 
wasn't anywhere close to being a starting caliber quarterback in college could now be starting for the new york jets well he got signed by the packers after a good pro day and then he met Aaron Rodgers, who signed all his friends to the new york jets come on sean you like to have a go at Aaron Rodgers on every single show Let, no, let's i'm not putting this i'm not putting this on aaron Rodgers because multiple other nfl teams have taken on Tim including Boyle, the detroit lions including the detroit lions and you know at, at a certain point if you don't actually care about production then what you get is losses <laughs> and so those teams are, are having to deal with that for the titans here fortunately they did get to play the carolina panthers Colin, one of the things that is just so crazy about this whole situation with carolina too is that when you're making that trade i mean you know your team is going to be terrible next season and so those 2024 picks as well are going to be extremely valuable not so, just the so first just round a pick. terrible terrible decision and i don't think this is hindsight i don't think this is hindsight saying it was a terrible trade i mean i'm looking through to try and see if if somehow some of these picks that the panthers traded were not their own originally such that it's not going to be like the first pick in the draft and the 33rd pick in the draft <laughs> i mean i can't find any information to that effect so i mean again you've traded an absolute ton for baker mayfield maybe not even now again he's throwing the ball to adam thielen and he's made adam thielen viable up until this week colin was there any injury here we have a a three target one catch two yard game from adam thielen this isn't one of the ones that i have gotten to watch as closely i haven't seen if there was an in-game injury or if this is merely a situation I mean, this is a frustrating dynamic too where terrence marshall is a healthy scratch i mean they aren't developing their guys jonathan mingo leads the team here and and maybe he will develop into something but one of the things when they make that mingo selection he has to be the guy you cannot make a pick like that when you've given away so much else and not be and there's not, no such thing as sure people miss all the time we miss our fantasy selections all the time but mingo does not fit the profile of a successful nfl receiver now we've gotten some other guys with some you know question marks tank dell doesn't necessarily and he's been amazing Zay Flowers fits the profile of an overdrafted first-round pick, more of a guy who should have gone at the end of the second round. He's been fantastic. So your prospect profile is not determinative in terms of what you're going to be at the NFL level, but it's problematic here for the Panthers that he very much has looked like just a guy as well. Yeah, in terms of uh, Adam Thielen, no injury that I've seen of since the game. Uh, he was out there on the majority of the snaps so nothing from Thielen's side um but yeah it's just gonna be a tough situation for the Panthers Sean moving moving forward now I think uh yeah some of the trades where you're giving up it's, it's a good lesson for your fantasy football rosters as well when you're making trades if just think think a couple of years ahead with the, with these decisions as well and how that's going to look down the line Sean a player that I want to touch on that we've talked about a little bit but We've mentioned that the, the big game is potentially just coming. In this situation, he is taking over his own backfield after that was not the case at the start of the season. But the big game has not really happened for him yet. That is Javante Williams. We have the Denver Broncos 29, Cleveland Browns 12. Obviously, the Cleveland Browns defense has been very strong on the season. The Broncos go down and, and score at the very start of this game to set them up nicely, but they continue to play well 
throughout Russell Wilson nothing from a passing perspective 13 of 22 134 one touchdown on the ground has 11 for 34 and a touchdown i mentioned he did have a 19 yard rush which i referenced on the uh when we were talking about travis Etienne on the monday podcast where he switched up the play at the line and uh, i was pretty impressed by how they did that in that particular situation but overall he is leading the way here for the broncos running attack they put up 29 points here but he is not one of the rushers that get the two rushing touchdowns we have some icp ryan seven for 55 and a touch we also get that russell wilson touchdown that i mentioned as well so what's your outlook here on, on javante moving forward we're getting a bigger piece of the pie but we're not getting some of the vital touches that are leading to the you know getting in the end zone but the broncos had not been getting in the end zone at all from a rushing perspective they get in twice in this game so is that a positive yes <laughs> the this is such an interesting game because the Browns obviously have some huge quarterback issues and yet their rampaging defense had gotten them to seven and three and Dorian Thompson Robinson had done you know some decent things and you look at his line here and even before the injury it's very very bad and yet the game actually did change when he gets knocked out now when you look at pj walker and, and his stat line also terrible and the thing that is hugely different here is that he has the four sacks where dtr hadn't taken any he also fumbles twice and loses one of them whereas that hadn't been the case for the fumble that thompson robinson had part of what you're getting with those sacks late is the game environment where the browns are pushed out of their comfort zone which is just running it down the opponent's throat one of the things that was a little bit weird in this game is that jerome ford goes nine for 65 but only carries nine times and why is kareem hunt out there you know why are you not running the ball more when you have jerome ford in your backfield but the other part of that is just that i mean you have to be able to at least borderline run a real nfl offense and when you look at the the final stat line from dtr again it's misleading because you had multiple drops from david njoku including one that not exactly a drop but a play that you probably have to make in the end zone now they do come back and get a harrison bryant touchdown on that drive but you also had amari cooper dropping a key third down conversion cooper only catches two passes on his six targets he gets knocked out of this game late you have you know well over 100 air yards for elijah moore but you only get the 344 from him he has a bad drop so i mean in any individual game you're going to have a lot of randomness we tend to really emphasize the fact that drops are something that's going to happen in a game that's moving at this speed it's difficult to catch that football and you know we don't want to bench or eliminate guys who've had a drop or she rice had a drop early in the chiefs game and goes on to you know really drive them to victory if you take away his routes after that drop or don't go back to him then you don't get the breakout performance that may be sort of definitive for the chiefs entire season on the other side of that when you have a young qb who needs your help i mean the three main playmakers for the Bronx, for the Browns in the passing game, and Joku, Moore, Cooper, those guys have to play up, not play down. It was a very poor game from that perspective. But you also have a play call that changes this game after DTR is injured. 
we have one of these end around slash reverses where there are pitches involved and the pitch is fumbled. And this is kind of a weird one to me. We don't get a ton of mistakes on this play, and yet possession is so important in football with the limited number of possessions and how much field position in certain moments is going to matter when you have an elite defense. And even though they didn't completely shut down the Denver Broncos, I mean, this is a game where you hold Javante Williams to 3.6 yards per carry. You hold Russell Wilson to 134 passing yards. It's not like the, the Cleveland Browns defense got strafed by the Broncos in any way, shape, or form, right? You you can't have mistakes like that play. And I mean, I love Kevin Stefanski. I think that the Browns, other than the Deshaun Watson trade, are you know probably the model organization. Now, when you think about how that plays, both in terms of actual football tactics and how it plays from a moral perspective, saying your organization is great other than the Deshaun Watson trade, you know, is like saying that you're doing everything well except for the things that matter so you know the deshaun watson trade has to be weighed pretty heavily but i mean kevin stefanski is is awesome and yet that play call is weird in part because if the play works it's actually still not going to do anything for you and it's kind of a desperation play because pj walker is not going to be able to move the ball but that fumble when the browns are still in it that leads to another Denver Broncos touchdown to put the game away. And this on a sliding grab from Adam Troutman. Adam Troutman only has the one target. He's not involved in the offense. He makes a great catch, a great catch. So that was cool. I mean, if you don't get involved that much, when you do have a chance, make the play, right? So that's really cool for him. But there were a lot of weird things to this Browns-Broncos game that don't necessarily show up. There was a lot of weirdness with Cortland Sutton, where... I mean, Sutton is not one of our guys. We probably have 0% there. That's probably been a mistake. He has looked very, very good. In this one, he has the weirdness where he kind of has that T. Higgins offensive pass interference play where he runs down the field and offensive players are not actually allowed to touch defensive players. You know, it's so hard to play defense. Call it so hard to play. I mean, if the offensive guy taps on your shoulder, like you just complain about it and i mean it's, it's so hard to play defense in the modern nfl Cortland sutton then goes up and makes an amazing catch where you've got a big bodied receiver with athleticism launches himself up catches the ball over his head toe taps both feet down and Cortland sutton has had a bounce back season he looks fantastic that play doesn't count because it's offensive pass interference he then has a play later in the game where he drops a touchdown and so you know, again, if you started Cortland Sutton, you really want that touchdown. So you had some, you know, mixed results on that side of the ball. Colin, this was, uh, you know, a stealth, interesting game. The the Broncos are now fighting back. I mean, they're in the playoff mix. They on a roll. Have, they're on a roll, and the teams that they have beaten in this winning streak are better than the teams that they lost to in their losing streak to start the season. This has been. An amazing turnaround from Sean Payton. He deserves a lot of credit for that. There's also some stuff going on with this Denver Broncos team where I think he deserves some continued criticism. Or scrutiny. Some there scrutiny. Is a, there, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of... It's a physical game, Sean, but there's a line, and uh, the Denver Broncos are, are going over that line a little bit. Well, there were a lot of dirty plays 
by the Denver Broncos, if that's what you're referring to, you have a Cleveland Browns possession extended down in the red zone when P.J. Locke unnecessarily spears David Njoku. You have Locke later in the game knocking Amari Cooper out, and fortunately the x-rays have come back negative for Cooper on that. But when you get speared unnecessarily and, you know, the commentators are like, oh, that was a clean play. And, like, you know, why is Elijah Moore getting after the defensive backs? Like, well, I mean, if you're right there and your teammate has gotten speared, one of the things here, Ellen, that I think is kind of interesting, and we should point out that, again, in terms of the commentary, somewhat weird because Dorian Thomas Thompson Robinson gets knocked out of this game on a hit that is penalized. A crazy hit. This is a hit from this is a hit from 35 years ago, Sean. Yeah, I mean, this is the hit where the defender launches. He did the 40-yard dash and then uh, then just launches in there. Ball is well gone. at the arm, shoulder, face of the quarterback, and the commentators are saying oh, it looks like he might have led with his shoulder and gotten the shoulder. Like, that looks clean. I don't know if that should be penalized. It's so hard to play defense. Colin, it's so hard to play defense. I, I hope everyone's understanding the tone of Sean's voice here in terms of how he's sharing the difficulty it's, of the defense. It's so hard to play defense in the current NFL. Colin, it's so hard to play defense that now, I mean, the defensive coordinators have realized that what you should do is you should keep the ball in front of you. You should not let teams throw over the top. You should keep the ball in front of you, and then you should play downhill. And really hit those guys and knock them out of the game, and they're not going to be able to see you, and you're going to come hit them like a missile, and then you're going to get up and be like, "What? What? Like I just hit that guy like a missile who couldn't see me coming." What teams like the Denver Broncos are doing are so dirty and so dangerous. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The last game, Sean, to jump into is the Rams and the Cardinals. Kyler Murray struggled in this game quite a bit through it, 45 times, 27 completions, 256 and one touchdown. Did have four sacks for 37 yards in this contest. And there's times where Kyler is scrambling around and it just looks like his hair is on fire. Uh, He's just (laughs) going from in circles from one side to the other, back forwards, whichever way he can. But... I, I don't know what we're what we're doing here with the Arizona offense. I mentioned to you before we recorded yesterday, we didn't get to it in yesterday's show, but Trey McBride feels like he's open on pretty much every play. There's a play in this where McBride is, is pretty early in the game, scrambling to his right-hand side as Kyler's going to his left. So they're lined up together, but he is standing there basically like, can I have the ball? Can I have the ball? Can I have the ball? I would say he has 15 yards of separation at that point. Kyler eventually decides that he'll take the take the easy completion for the first down and, and McBride gets absolutely slammed once he catches the ball. So some interesting plays. Looking heavily in this game for Marquise Brown down the field, 12 targets going his way, six receptions for 88 yards, 36 
was the longest completion and that's so we're seeing some of the downfield stuff hitting but it felt like there was a lot of attempts where it just was not working out uh, stafford a really positive game in this contest um 25 completions of 33 to 29 yards four touchdowns one interception kyron williams sean though is the the talking point i think coming out of this one where it's 143 yards on 16 carries no rushing touchdowns but does get in the end zone with two passing touchdowns six targets six receptions 61 yards royce freeman as well looking pretty sharp 13 for 77 and a touchdown for him on the ground we do get cooper cup in this with five targets three receptions on 18 sorry three receptions 18 yards we get a quiet day as well with eight targets four receptions 27 yards for nakua so they do kind of lock down the passing game but they there was no answer here really for arizona uh with the running game here off the the rams which i was very very impressed by and it, it felt like the rams were like well this is working we're just gonna to keep running it because they could not stop williams who averaged 8.9 yards per carry in this one on the other side though michael carter and james connor pretty much neck and neck and uh stats and snaps in this one so connor kind of not really involved this week something to keep an eye on moving forward here what was your thoughts on on this contest maybe on the kyler murray part and the uh the williams part here uh, for me the headline is matthew stafford and you have those four touchdowns and you think about how good this rams team looks when he is healthy and when he has his weapons Colin, one of the difficult decisions that you and i had to make down the stretch as we got to the dynasty trade deadline was what to do with our third qb and that's always somewhat controversial even just in terms of not from a trade perspective, but how you think about that overall in Superflex. Do you, you know, desperately hold on and try and stockpile as many quarterbacks as you possibly can when you have a third QB in a format where the Superflex position is neutralized a little bit? Now, not a ton, but a little bit to where the quarterbacks are not massively separated from all the other positions. If you needed to go with one quarterback for a stretch, you could because you have other players who are going to score in that same you know, general vicinity. The team that is in first place in our TriFlex league is down to one QB because of the Joe Burrow injury and obviously is looking for quarterbacks and, and looking for cheap quarterbacks, which I think only makes sense for them. We offered Matthew Stafford for a first, despite the fact that our team, if Justin Jefferson plays, and again, that has you know nothing to do with the thoughts on Justin Jefferson from a reality perspective. I mean, those two things, it's just very important to keep those things separate. But we like our team is the point. And we think that we can win the title with the team that we should have across that three-week playoff stretch. And so if you're making a move where you're moving a piece that maybe you need, and you're moving a piece to the team that's in first place that has obvious potential to set you back to be the move that cripples you at the same time we talk about perpetual reloading and trying to maximize our windows make sure we're in this mix to win the title every single year and an extra first round pick will help i think from the other team side i don't know if they had necessarily gone through and looked at this and thought about how it's not just an addition for them but it's a subtraction for us and again you can't really put together your playoff strategy to beat one particular team. But when a team is going to have a first round pick in that one, say 110 to 112 area, and it fills a huge hole, it's an interesting choice on their part. Now they declined, they countered with a second and Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard, obviously one of our favorites and a guy who did have a very good game 
in week 12. We declined that. I mean, you just can't let Matthew Stafford go for a second round pick that's going to be at the end of the second round. Watching this game, I mean, every time that Stafford has a game like this, you're kind of back into that mindset of, oh, we could never get rid of him. And yet, you know that Matthew Stafford, as he goes down the stretch of his career here, there's retirement risk. There is obvious injury risk. There is some structural risk within the offense where when you get down there, the running backs will often score. Now, this is an interesting one where Kyron Williams actually gets his two touchdowns in the receiving game. So they also go on Matthew Stafford's ledger. But I mean, there's the potential here for a lot of these touchdowns to actually be to the running backs. As you kind of balance that out, are you happy that the trade was declined we were kind of down to the last second we didn't have a chance to really talk about you know whether a second round pick and hubbard would be something that we would consider what are your thoughts about stafford and what are your thoughts about how he fits into dynasty superflex teams at this moment and that particular instance from the team sending the trade the trade is pretty fair i don't think it's egregious we probably would have still countered it if we had more time Stafford for me is somebody, you mentioned the retirement risk, that is always there. There's always the concern around long-term health with some of the injuries that he has had in terms of being able to consistently do it. We've seen at the end of seasons from time to time that he has tailed off as the season has gone along since he's been with the Rams. But I think with the situation as it sits now, he kind of tailed off a little bit in the middle of the season and it's going pretty strong. I, I think a lot of this performance was still heavily impacted by Williams and what he did on those two receiving touchdowns as well. I think heading into next season with Nakua and also Cup, I think in the offseason, there will still be people there willing to pay for a quarterback for the Superflex format in particular and the Triflex format. And I think with what they have shown and what Stafford is showing I think I would still rather keep him with our team and our team Sean has without Justin Jefferson has had a lot of struggles but as we move in here and if we get into the playoffs with injuries at the rate they're happening to the quarterbacks you know he, he may still come into play for us here over the, the final week so I think he, he's still valuable to us this season we've got a, an excellent starting lineup we've got lots of flexibility with three interesting qbs in Tua, sam howell and matthew stafford i'm looking forward to seeing what happens there the other thing that you know comes into play in terms of stafford having a good line in this game is that i mean the arizona cardinals have a very poor defense the flip side of it is that matthew stafford's line could have been much much bigger if they had needed to play in the second half and so there are going to be some shootouts where Stafford has very impressive lines to get to where he got in this game without Nakua and Cup really even being involved. I mean, I could see Stafford with a, a 400-yard, five-touchdown game before we hit the end of the season. Colin, the last game, you're not you're not going for. No, I just love the optimism. 400 yards, five touchdowns. Yeah. Why not go for the NFL record? Well, Matthew Stafford in Week 17 once where it didn't count had one of the all-time great games with calvin johnson and happened to be a, a young green bay packers quarterback on the other side of that performance we got, got a big deal then from the uh, seattle seahawks which was worthless in the long run but the seahawks created optionality with russell they wilson. went for the free agent they went for russell wilson and they won right Teams that are only pursuing one path. And they won again. And they won again. The Seahawks are geniuses. 
Is that what you walk around your your house saying to yourself most of the time? The Seahawks are geniuses. Not for you. They've done some good things. The Saints versus the Falcons. Colin, this game has a, a lot of relevance for the NFC South race, which is not so much a race, but a that like an three-legged contest. Or a... well, the, yeah, I mean, in the wrong direction. So you do have some elements there. Derek Carr, he goes over 300 yards. He averages eight yards per attempt. Chris Olave, I mean, every time that Olave is out there healthy with a reasonable QB, he lights it up. Unfortunately, he does leave this game again with an injury. I believe that Rashid Shahid also left the game with an injury. There was interest in what he would do with Michael Thomas out. That didn't materialize. On the other side of the ball, Bijan Robinson. And Bijan was someone I included in some trade offers with teams that were offering up Brees Hall. Now, it was more than a one-for-one trade. But it was interesting that I didn't get a lot of interest back on Bijan and then he goes 91 yards and a touchdown as a runner he catches three passes for 32 yards and a touchdown as a receiver six total targets that's great to see you have some concentrated effort here where London and Robinson I think at this point most people would argue that those are their two stars there just is so little evidence at this point that Kyle Pitts is really even anything to root for anymore and again not to say that he's not going to be a reality piece there but the fantasy relevance has been dried up for a long long time desmond ritter does he do enough in this performance to hold on to the job he doesn't get sacked he does throw a couple of picks you win the game in true arthur smith style and come i mean plenty of relevant things here from a fantasy football perspective a lot going on, Sean. You made a nice day for Drake London, a huge day for Bijan Robinson, who gets a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown, over 120 complete yards from scrimmage. It's it's a killer, Sean. The Kyle Pitts every time it, it hurts me. But the interesting part in this was very concentrated. He wasn't part of the concentration. It was Robinson and Drake London heavily focused here. We Patterson, though, involved on eight rush attempts as well, which I thought was a little bit interesting to see him out there as much as he was in this contest. Chris Olave, unfortunately, is a concussion, but a seven receptions for 114 yards. Pretty impressive performance by him to go along with Derek Carr's numbers that that you mentioned. You mentioned the way it has been won by the, the Falcons here. You know, they're five and six on the season. A lot of that also comes down to Jesse Bates, Sean, and his pick six, a 92-yard pick six off Derek Carr, which obviously would change the it's, – it's a huge swing down in the, the red zone there to turn it over for Carr and to be taken the other way. He also has a, a big turnover where he, he forced a, a fumble in this contest as well. So while Bijan Robinson has those uh, two touchdowns and a really impressive day, the Falcons' defense takes a – a big number in this one as well although they did give up the 304 passing yards and the 140 rushing yards total in this one so we have to give credit to the falcons defense in the same way that we mentioned the vikings defense the full team is relevant and those guys making the plays there really i think unfortunate to have injuries for the young saints receivers I just really wanted to see Shahid in a fuller role and for him to be injured on the first play and fight through it unsuccessfully and then be out and maybe them missing both of those players coming up. I mean, these teams, 
you know, all seem buried. They don't seem like they have, you know, true playoff and certainly Super Bowl aspirations. But I mean, Colin, this is a, a year of their lives, things that they're doing, you know, sun up to sun down every day. We talk about how, you know, you want to get those HN teams into the fantasy playoffs. You never know what will happen if you get in some players who are extremely dynamic and most teams don't have that the the roster overall roster exposure in the tournament is low that maybe you can get something done there it's not quite the same situation with the reality team where it's not a matter of exposure or something to that effect with them but you get into these playoff games you have a turnover you know maybe you have an injury that is very unfortunate from a human perspective but allows you to then you know overcome some of the the talent gap you think back to you know what we talked about on the show where dtr's injury really was the the final piece to get the broncos over the hump there in the afc south in the nfc south any game like this is the game that could be the difference between going and not going and then once you're there even winning a game in the playoffs i mean you think about the elite teams that go and suffer losses don't make it any further than through one round this is a big game and for the saints to not only lose it but lose players that's very frustrating for them call week 12 in the books and now we go on to the ffpc fantasy semifinals. we go on to the two weeks where we're pushing to get those best ball teams across the line you and i were chatting about a couple of ot drafted best ball mania teams that are absolutely loaded and right now we're in third. If you're in third place in best ball mania and you're down by 10 points, you're down by 20 points. I mean, you're there. These next two weeks will be like the last two weeks were in FFPC redraft where every single play you're thinking that could be the play that makes the difference because once you get in, then you're in the mix for that $3 million. And it wouldn't be surprising to see the team that wins it be a team that gets in on the last drive maybe even the last play of week 14 these next two weeks should be a blast you're after setting it all up sean it's ready to go we're ready for the playoffs hopefully our listeners are having teams that are in real contention now from time to time i get sent teams that are really set up to perfection so feel free to send them my way on twitter at over ireland or you can email them across at rotavisradio at gmail.com when we get to playoff time, we may talk through some teams and, and so on of our own. But if there's any that you're very confident that have a, a chance of a deep run, feel free to send them over. We may review a couple of those when we get to that point in time. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. And until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.